Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Zoom Zoom Show. This is Hayden Sherman here with you again. And this is part two of our World Cross Country recap of what went down. Now, we were hoping to get Stefan Smith on the line. Uh, had a few times hooked up to get him uh, to chat and talk through the senior events. Unfortunately, uh, we haven't been able to make that happen. But what we have been able to make happen is we've been able to get Cam Avery uh, to discuss his race he was the top performing senior man uh, in in that race so it's good to pick up his race and, and hear about the conditions and what went down with the drama at the start line and, and also after the race finished and, and all that stuff so great to hear that uh, interview with, with Cam so that's coming up shortly we will endeavour to catch up with Stefan Smith um, shortly maybe get a bit of analysis um, as the, the year progresses in the world of distance running and also hear what's sort of happening over there in the Tasman. Um, but let me just run through, do a bit of a recap. We're, we're right in the middle of National Champs. You can probably hear it in my voice. It's a bit, it's a bit scratchy, a bit rusty. Uh, we're two days deep in, and, man, it's been an epic National Champs here in, in Wellington. So, so good. Uh, but just as a bit of a recap for what happened at the World Cross Country Champs in Bathurst, senior women, we had a lot of drama up the front of the race with the the leader coming down the finishing chute. She looked like she was clear winner. The, the camera was sort of cropped in nice and tight on her, and it turned out that the Kenyan lady was right next to her sprinting down on the inside line. Uh, the Ethiopian collapsed and let the, the Kenyan in for, for the win. Um, so dramatic scenes there, but behind them we had a really solid bunch of Kiwi women uh, running their hearts out. Sarah Drought coming through as the first place finisher running really well paced race in 49th behind her co-team captain Emily Rowan really doing a great captain's knock there with a 54th Hannah Miller 61st and Elisa Cross 64th so that's rounding out our, our four scoring athletes and then Kerry White remember she won the uh, New Zealand cross country title uh, a couple of years ago uh, she was in 66th, so just behind the reigning New Zealand cross-country champion, Lisa Cross. Um, two places behind, I should say. And then Catherine Camp was just a few places back in 68th. So really cool to have all those those Kiwi women within Kui of each other, being able to key off each other. They would have been able to see each other for most of the race. Um, and I loved seeing them coming down that finishing chute. Um, so cool. Now they had really warm temperatures. So at the start, it was still 35 degrees, much like the juniors had earlier. Uh, so it was toasty. Only 31% humidity compared to when the men started. It had gone up to 56% humidity, but the temperature had dropped right down to 23 degrees. So that storm had started to come in. The wind started to blow, really changed things up for the, the men's races, which is why they had to race it, run it early because there was massive risks of thunderstorms lightning strikes all that sort of scary stuff so a lot of drama around that around that men's race but well done to our, our team of speedy women uh, representing the silver fern so well in the women's race now the men's race was a complete domination uh, by uh, Kip Limo out the front pulling away uh, with about a k to go just phenomenal turn of turn of speed and uh, clear clear winner in the men's race um, and then behind them we had Cam Avery being the first man home as, as I mentioned for the New Zealand team and right behind him Matt Baxter 
co-team captain with his partner, wife, uh, uh, Emily Rowan. Um, Matt Baxter coming through in 48th place, so uh, another solid finish for Matt in uh, another World Cross. Uh, Tim Robertson, who is the World uh, Orienteering Champion, uh, based over in Northern Europe, Scandinavia, I believe, but uh, really cool to see him feature well at the New Zealand Cross Country Champs and then also chuck on the Black Singlet and represent New Zealand at the World Cross. Really cool to see. So he came through on 61st then. Uh, five places back we had Julian Oakley, so that was our five-team, four-team um Four member team coming through with ninth place and by the way the, the woman got 10th place as, as the team result Matthew Taylor was our other finisher um, coming through in 84th and unfortunately Ollie had a tough old day at uh, World Cross with a, a DNF so he was sort of the uh, the form man um, that we were expecting to be up the front but you know World Cross with the heat with um, you know it doesn't take much to be uh, if you're off one or two percent yeah it doesn't make it take too much to uh, end with a DNF next to your name and that those sorts of conditions so Ollie gave it a good nudge but it wasn't to be on the day um, but really solid result from from our boys over there in uh, uh, the senior men's cross country finishing up in ninth place and now we'll hear from the horse's mouth how it went with with Cam Avery breaking down the race breaking down what exactly happened we'll cross over to Cam now and we're away, the final of the 100 metres, here we go. Tell you what, she's given it a decent old nudge there. Yes! Over 60, that's what she was looking for. The pack is chasing, the pack is trying to hunt him down. So aggressive in her crossover steps as she whips that through. Opened up a 15 metre gap on the Olympic bronze medalist. Can he hold it together? Here he goes, putting his foot down. She's on the toe, she goes. All right, so we've got Cam Avery on the line, and uh, Cam Avery, if uh, you know, yesterday we had an amazing cricket um, match in Wellington where uh, the Black Caps pulled off the miracle win, and I suppose to put it in a, into a cricketing context, you are the the top scorer for the um, for the Black Caps um, at our at the World Cross, so um, our our top placer in the senior men's race. Um, so congrats, Cam, and um, let's. Let's hear first of all, like what, what was your feeling when you when you crossed that finish line, knowing that you're. Did you know that you're the first black singlet to cross the line? Uh, yeah, I had. I was pretty sure um, because I had a pretty good start um, slotting in, and it was a bunch of us Kiwis all together: Julian, um, Ollie, myself, and then Matt. Um, Matt and Tim were like right behind, along with uh, with uh, Matt Taylor as well. So That's there awesome. was. A bunch of us in there, so I knew as the race went on and I kept building and building that I was fairly confident there weren't any black singles ahead of me, especially with the uh, the 180-degree turn you got around the tyres at the bottom. You got a pretty right. good look at who was coming the other way. So, yeah, no, I, relief was I crossed the line for sure, mostly because <laughs> at that point, um, the whole last lap, I was just like, I've got to finish now because if I don't finish right now, they might can this entire thing because there was just lightning oh. striking all over the horizon and really? i've been over in the states Ugh. yeah so i've been over in the states when they've canned races like that um and Is i was just right? like uh, yeah so i was just like i i know i'm having a pretty good run right now so it was almost more like i want to finish to to get out of the lightning more than i want to finish because i'm hurting so bad i was like god just just get there just get there right now 
Hard out. Yeah, it was crazy. So for, for those who don't know, uh, the race went, what, 20 minutes early because of the risk of, of thunderstorms and lightning. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah so. And how was that announced? Was that like, because 20 minutes early, you might still be in your your track suit. Well, probably not in that sort of heat, but you're, you're still warming up. Maybe you haven't done your, your strides or your stretches and stuff. So... Um, how did that work for you? Did you have enough notice and how was it communicated? Absolutely not. It was, I'm not going <laughs> to lie, it was very poorly communicated shambles. to, to yeah. us. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a shambles for everybody. Um, and Athletics Australia yeah. did a great job. Uh, the organising committee did well in so many aspects, but this was not one of their shining areas. We arrived, you don't want to arrive too early at this place because there wasn't any air conditioning. Obviously we were in the Bathurst, like the motor racing kind of garages, if you will. But, and there were some teams had fans and everything going in there, but I mean, we were just sitting there uh, in the shade, but it was still pretty warm. So you didn't want to arrive okay. too early. So we only arrived at about five o'clock ish, four forty-five, five o'clock for the race being at six thirty. We were planning on right. sitting around for about, about an hour and then trying to start warming up at around about 5.30 to 5.40. About 50 minutes to an hour before was our plan um, as a team. We're just going to do a, a, a little 15-minute jog or something and then start to make our way up to the call room, which is supposed to close 15 minutes before the race. Um, and then at about 5.10, um, so this is about an hour and 20 minutes before the race is supposed to be going, um, a singular official started wandering up the the kind of garages and people yeah. some people were all over the place some people weren't even there yet the ugandan team and the usa team they weren't even here because i saw them walking in 15 minutes later uh, um yeah. and suddenly this guy's going up and he just says uh to the call room now to the call room now senior men to the call room now and this is an hour and 20 minutes before the race is supposed to go he didn't say anything about the race is moving forward he just said we want you to the call room now we're having issues at call rooms we want you to the call room now and wow. we were just like uh okay that makes no sense because we haven't even warmed up yet and he's like you'll have plenty of time to warm up call room now so we just uh, doing a little jog around the the concrete area we're like we'll you know, we'll make yeah. our way up when the australian team make our way up there's no way they'll start without them so we're just yeah. keeping an eye on the aussies good plan and yeah uh, but yeah, and eventually, suddenly, it wasn't until about 5.30, so about 40 minutes before eventual race time, that maybe 5.35, that they officially said over the loudspeaker, race is now at 6.10. And so, wow. luckily, we'd started warming up at about 5.20, just in case they moved it forward. Yeah. But it wasn't really announced officially. What they should have been doing is they should have had, <coughs> excuse me. They should have had the whole, um, all the officials on the same page. Look, we move forward if this is the situation, and if it's moving forward, it's announced all at the same time that's moved forward. But there was just such yeah. poor communication across the board. Thankfully, most of us, apart from bless his heart, Tim Robertson, he, I think he did a singular like 300 meter jog of the concrete strip, and then went straight into yeah. the call room because then they ushered us into the call room and didn't <laughs> give us, they, they didn't give us um, the appropriate like warning that we wouldn't be able to leave that call room because we said, oh, can we come out and do oh, our jogs wow. around the grass out here? They were like, oh, yeah, 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 you can do that. Just just get in there. Just get in there. So we got in and then they sat us down and said, you can't leave now. So oh, we're like, well, we're the first team in and here. And you have to sit? 
Uh, luckily, we didn't have to sit. Luckily, we could get up, and there was like okay. a ten by ten meter little patch of concrete in there that about seventy people were trying to do drills on. <laughs> so it was <laughs> it was pretty funny, but um, all's wow. end, all's well that ends well, at least for me. So it was okay. Yeah, well, at least it, it was done, and and potentially if it was held later, from the scenes that I saw, once the race finished, it looks like looked like the heavens opened and. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, so at least yeah, at we least ha- we got a race. Yeah. Exactly, now, and how- I don't think anyone would have had it differently because it was literally, I finished, I sat down, I started taking off my shoes, and about five seconds later, the heavens did just open, and it was some of the biggest raindrops. Oh, man, that would have been... Yeah. It would have been awful to have come all that way and waited all that time just to have it delayed it, or postponed even. It would have been awful. So I'm glad they did yeah. what they did, but I just wish they did Cancelled for another better. year. <laughs> yeah, God, that would have been the, the true irony. Yeah, totally. Now, um, how was the how was the build up for you? I, I know you did a few um, uh, track races as as kind of a, a fitness test over the summer. Um, w- were you happy with the build up? W- was fitness sort of heading in the right direction for you? Yeah, yeah, I was happy with the build up. Um, I've, I had the, the privilege and I was lucky enough that this has been my main focus for a long time. I know that some mm-hmm. of my teammates and some of our competitors, you know, they have um, goals in terms of world track and field championships or world indoors, some of those things. And so they've got that kind of on, at the forefront. And this was a, a stepping stone along the way. Whereas for me, for the last three years, this has been my main goal. And every year it's had to be pushed back yeah. a little bit. Um, but this was it for me. Oh, did I lose you, Hayden? Um, all right, and we are back. So we had a quick internet outage. So for hopefully we, we got the first part of the interview, but if we didn't, basically where we're at now is we've talked to Cam about the um, the satisfaction of finishing in, uh, as, as the first Kiwi home in 47th place and then just the dramas with uh, a potential thunderstorm and all sorts of miscommunication before the, the start from the officials and trying to work out when, when it's going to start but made it to the start line. Now, now fitness, you were just talking about um, things heading in the right direction so you had a pretty... Um, single-minded build-up to this. Um, so you, you've been looking at this race for a few years. All right, so short technical outage, but you were saying, Cam, that we uh, that you were sort of singly focused on national, oh, World Cross for, for a few years, dealing with all the postponements with, with COVID and all that? Yeah, so, yeah, and I, I was just saying, I think that, that it really helped me. Um, so I was really glad that that was my focus. I know that even amongst the people who were able to focus on it, there were some issues. My my training partner and one of my best mates, Matt Taylor, for example, like we were trained together like absolute animals all through the winter. And unfortunately, he came down with, with COVID for the very first time back in December, which really threw him for a loop and uh, like put a bit of a dent in his prep, uh, both, I know, mentally and physically, because he wasn't able to get the, the races in for confidence like he usually does. Um, so yeah. I was lucky not to have any of those setbacks. Um, and so I knew that when it came down to race day, I really had no excuses. It was just get out there and do it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, it's almost like with with COVID, you can't as an athlete, you almost want to like be able to just take like a a little vial of just a, a, a drink some COVID juice like in the, in your off season. You just finish your key race, take a vial of COVID, get it over and done with, get that immunity, and um, probably not good medical advice. So. <laughs> No, are you, uh, it's like, are you talking about the vaccine? That pretty much what the vaccine is, my guy. In the future, yeah, everybody, that's, if you're that's listening, what the vaccine. Boost, that's what boosters are. Let's let's get on it in the off season. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a doctor. Don't listen. Don't listen to my medical advice, everyone. Um, exactly. So that's that's awesome. So so good build up. Um, now, how did you prepare for for the heat? Like was Christchurch hot enough? Were you getting out for midday runs with like a puffer jacket on? What, 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 how were you tackling that one? So my plan was to, in the last two to three slash four weeks before the championship, start my heat preparation. And what I was intending on doing, oh. all things going according to plan, was if, when the days are warm enough, then on a warm day that's not too hot, on a warm day I'd be wearing, I'd be layering up for my easy runs or for a few easy yep. runs, um, at least, um, just to keep, that would be my active heat acclimation. And then on my workout days, my long runs, I'd be heading to the sauna straight after a run and sitting in there right. uh, for 20 minutes or so. And Matt and I did a pretty good job with the sauna part. The unfortunate thing was that it didn't really ever get that hot in Christchurch. And so it didn't yeah, really get warm yeah. enough to warrant layering up even on the easy days. Um, it was only, there was only one weekend where it was swelteringly hot, and ironically, we were up at Capital Classic where it was pretty moderate. <laughs> so um, we missed that. <laughs> but um, I think that the sauna was great. Um, I noticed cool. my um, my body starting to respond to it better and better as I used it more and more. Um, so I can't fault what my. What sort of temperatures did that. you have? Do you know? Uh, I don't really know. I was just at the uh, the PCC the Pioneer Country Club uh, over in just one of the city council run ones, um, yeah, and cool. I think it hovers somewhere between seventy and eighty. Um, just sitting there for twenty minutes, having some pretty uh, pretty criminal yarns with some with some of the members of the public in there. Uh, you get to know them pretty well after <laughs> hopping in there a few times a week. Yeah, saunas saunas always a great place to meet some interesting characters. Um, yeah, so. The and, and so hill the heat's one thing, but then hills is the other equation. Um, now you're New Zealand mountain running champ this year, second at the national cross behind Matt. Um, were you focusing on hills? Did you, was that part of the the build up? Really hitting some key hill sessions. I think the beautiful part about our winter build up um, for Matt Taylor and I was that we didn't really have to put a massive focus on it come the summer. Um, I'm sure yeah. if people were coming off, you know, uh, last year doing summer seasons over in Europe or whatever, maybe they had to be like, right, mm. like, let's get some hills in. Um, but Matt and I incorporate hills every every week. Um, we we yeah. never let it out of our program as it, as it is. So we were just able to do what we normally do, and we love the hills. We tackle the trails and the hills cool. whenever we have an opportunity to. So I was relishing the yeah and when you say you always incorporate hills does that mean like workouts on the hills or is that um just like easy long runs uh, up into the port hills and um you're going vertical whenever you whenever you can 
Yeah, mostly the latter um, for workouts and yeah. stuff. It's uh, unless it's a, a very casual workout, um, then or a hill specific workout, um, then we'll usually be doing just longer, slow runs in the hills up over oh. up over the the Gebs Loop, Kiwi to Kiwi, or Kennedy's. Um, Christchurch just has the most beautiful hills, so yeah, we tried to use those whenever we oh. could around work. Awesome. Oh, good work. Now, talk to us about the the start line. Once you got there and dealt with all the um, all the logistics of sitting in a, in a call room, how cool was it looking down the line at like Joshua Chip, the guy? Uh, what is he? Five thousand and ten thousand meter record holder. Um, I think we had the half marathon record holder on the start line as well. Um, is that true? Well, I yeah, it's been yeah, that's yeah. been changing quite a bit. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's hard I believe to keep it track of that one. Yeah, yeah, no, it um, was it was but, a pretty unreal field to look down and see for sure. And that start line was yeah. again just a. I was under the impression, the false impression, that we'd be doing uh, something similar to uh, what they do domestically and also over in the states, which is you know teams yeah. have their own little um, little shoots um, or boxes, yeah. should I say that wasn't the case it was a free-for-all it was all right we've got these seven individuals who we've identified as potential you know race um comp- like you know the top the top dogs you got the top kenyans yep. and the ethiopians and the ugandans then you got jack rayner as the local favorite um and then everyone else it was just find a spot and they would just let us out and it was it was seriously like you were lining up for a black friday sale at the mall it was like all right doors are opening <laughs> go and i've yeah. never seen so more like uh, a marathon when, start i mean just well, a lot faster <laughs> yeah a marathon but everybody is on on the most crazy drugs you've ever seen in your life uh obviously <laughs> i don't mean literally i hope but yeah, um, yeah. yeah everyone's just getting to the front there and i've never seen chignol hungrier oh my gosh he was just he was ready really? for that he was ready for that yeah. camera at the front, uh, no, but um, <laughs> no, he was. He turned to me. He's like, "We got to get up." Like, and I'm like, "No, you're right. Let, let's do it." So there was just. I remember this pan of the camera that it was just all the top like East Africans uh, ready to get in behind their compatriots, and then it was just yeah. Chignall and I, and which is this couple of skinny white boys. It. And it's like we are about to have fun at the back of the pack. It's gonna be great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, and that first opening straight, was it just out the block hard to make it to the first corner in a, in a decent place? Like you've done NCA um, cross-country races in the States. Was it was it all guns blazing right from the start and then did it settle in or, or was, were you able to conserve a little bit at the start? Uh, it definitely wasn't the worst I've been a part of. Um, and it's yeah. kind of what I mentioned to a few of the juniors uh the night before we were talking about the course we were talking about it uh, about how the race might go out and i mentioned to everybody that hey this the field sizes that we're talking about here they're nothing compared to in to new zealand secondary schools new zealand secondary right. schools cross yeah. the senior boys like consistently has 250 guys uh the under 20 yeah. race had what 80 our race had 130 on the start line or something like that. It's not that many. True, and yeah. And just the the nature of the course, that uphill with bumps at the start of a 10K. And, I mean, there are some people in that race who, you know, are there because their country had the opportunity to send them. But the vast majority yeah. of the people in that race are there because they're some of the top 
cross-country runners in the world. And if you're one of the top cross-country yeah. runners in the world, then you respect that course. You respect that course. You respect those conditions. And people knew that if you go out like a bat out of hell, you might be in 20th position, 15th position, first position after 800 meters, but you won't be there 9K later. Yeah. And so I actually felt that the start was a lot more conservative than basically every single cross-country race I started over in the States and more conservative than most of my domestic races. You got out, yes, you got to get out hard, and I was lucky enough to slot in behind a couple of the Kiwis and use them, um, but it definitely wasn't as manic as I was maybe building up in my head. Cool. And course itself, they look like there's some cool sections, you know, going around the chicane past the, 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 the tire zigzag section and then through a little vineyard. And, um, yeah, was it, was it a cool course? Oh, it was sick. It was so cool. I, I loved it. Um, I would say I couldn't fault it, but, uh, you know me, and I can fault anything. And, I'll, <laughs> and yeah, there, there were things they could have done better. They could have, I think the tires could have been slightly altered for um, to make it, more doable to go over them um right and then it would have yeah. really thrown a little bit more of a spanner in the works for people i think that the so you could the even vineyard, zigzag or or you hurdle exactly and the problem was they were yeah. just too big to hurdle in those longer races with um right. uh, like like logically if in those that's why i was looking forward to the mixed relay because there were so many steeplers in this mixed relay and it was right at the yeah. end. So whatever you had left in that last 100 metres, it was just give it all. And apparently yep. Emma Coburn um, hurdled them and made up like so many places. And that was what wow. I was most interested in because in our race, yep. if you were serious about making it to the end of a 10K on that course and that heat, you weren't going to be hurdling. But in those short races, you could. So if in the longer ones, if they'd made them smaller or made them just one tire rather than two and didn't stack them as high, you could have seen a little bit more, especially in this first couple of laps. But, hey, I'm not yep. a course um, designer. Uh, oh, and then the vineyard. <laughs> I mean, I think that everyone had this thought looking at the vineyard, but simple logic tells you you go in one way, you come out the opposite, and that way people will choose which one to go down, and they, they would have their little three-shoot novelty would have actually worked but because yeah. you went in the same way as you came out it made absolutely no sense unless there was too many people which only happened on the first lap to take anything other than the inside line but hey right i'm just complaining for the sake of complaining now it was great i enjoyed it <laughs> i felt uh watching the coverage and and i uh, I'll, I'll chat to stefan smith about this as well um you know watching from home but um I just found a, a dodgy YouTube um, restream of it. I didn't realize it wasn't going to be live on YouTube, just on Sky, I think it was. Um, yeah. So I had to dig around uh, around YouTube. I found this guy, uh, this American guy with his face, doing the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, his face on the side of the screen, giving a... Um, you're not massively enthusiastic commentary <laughs> of what was happening. But yeah, I, I think the, the thing that concerned me was just seeing lapped runners and it's and it, like you say it's awesome that these runners get a chance to um, perform on on the big stage from these smaller countries but you know it does concern me if you're not able to not be lapped on a five lap course um that's mm. probably a signal i don't know because that would suggest to me that you're probably like a 35 minute 10k runner um yeah 
and so that would say to me that you're probably not fit enough to be to be there. So I think they should have pulled the lapped runners because the women's race, the the camera guy actually followed um, Gide. Um, uh, oh, was it Gide? Yeah, it was. Eh? Yeah. Um, and like a really close in cropped shot, not realizing that the Kenyan inside her was actually coming to the finish. And I think that was just from they'd been passing lapped runners and it was hard for the, the camera crew to know who was who. Um, yeah, so there, there were a few things like that where I was like, oh, they shouldn't have lapped runners out there. Uh, just complicates the, the viewing spectacle. But yeah, I thought Australia overall, overall did, a, did a pretty solid job. Now, um, how did you guys celebrate? After the race, um, what am I allowed to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, don't, we, don't spill everything. Uh, we had a we had a great time. It was, I mean, easy sure for me is. to say because I had a good race, and so it's always easy to have a good time when you've had a good race. But the the after party that Athletics Australia and the World Athletics put on at the um, it was called the Rafters, um, and it was so yep. we had the Afters at the Rafters, which was this university bar, and free alcohol, um, free food. Although the only food I could find were like sausage sizzles, so I was just guzzling okay. glizzies left, right, and center, <laughs> just eating those, going up, getting getting fresh pints, and we ended up yeah. challenging the uh, the Australian team to a boat race, uh, which uh, got yes. everybody pretty excited. So we had a whole lot of teams around watching us do a boat race, which we lost. Uh, they cheated, oh, no. but so, but so did we. So honestly, like it probably evened <laughs> out. Um, yeah, getting to just rub shoulders with some of the world's best athletes and coaches and everything was pretty cool. And just seeing them all, okay. um, uh, I ended up showing Joshua Cheptegei and Jacob Kiplimo how to get to the bathroom because they were clearly lost. I thought they were going to get a beer, and I got very excited. And then they just walked straight past the bar and started trying all these doors in the corner, and they were all locked. And I just walked yeah. over. I said. Josh, because everybody knows that we're on first name basis now. Uh, I was like, Josh, you're looking for the bathroom, aren't you? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and I pointed the way and I told him, this way, that way, this way, that way. You're going to find it. It's going to be great. Great racing today. Good job. And he's just like, who the hell is this dude? I have no idea who you are. <laughs> you are three minutes behind me today. Don't try and talk to me like you know me. Love but it. Great, great fun night. We ended up going to town a little bit afterwards. Um, and gosh, yeah, no, the Australian team know how to party. Um, enjoyed it. Um, but yes, uh, definitely a trip of memories. Awesome. Now I've got a, I've got a, a thought and okay. this is the first time I'll air this thought. So I'm imagine if we, if we had a trans Tasman battle, uh, mm-hmm. with the cross country and probably you could start just with the mixed relay. So yeah. they, we invite their mixed relay team to our New Zealand cross country champs to compete on the Sunday. Uh, they join mm-hmm. in and we have the New Zealand team lining up against them. And then we go to their cross country champs whenever that is. I can't quite, quite remember and do, um, do the reverse. So in NZ versus Australia, Bledisloe cup style, um, big cup on the line. Um, what do you reckon? Ken? Oh yeah. I mean, anytime <laughs> you spot. can, Anytime you can get that kind of a competition between New Zealand and Australia is always good for the sport. I'd say it's always good for the sport. I would say that the Australians right now, yeah. just with the, the the timing of world cross countries, because there's another one next year, and if they do what they did yeah. this year, 
next year, then their national cross country and their cross country trials are two very different things. So they've got their right. national cross country similar time to ours, but then they've got world cross trials, which is I believe the only one with the mixed relay or the one where their national team would be competing. Right. Oh, oh no, they don't even do no. It's not even a mixed relay trial. It's just a two k trial. So that's. But I see what you're saying. Oh, okay. We would have a mi- yeah. we have a mixed relay. They could come. I mean, they would destroy us. Uh, to be fair, uh, it would be more of an exhibition yeah. if their national team came to verse our, even if it was our regional centres, uh, which I know is a conversation happening right now, club versus regional centres for that mixed relay. Then if we put up our national team, I mean, they still kicked our ass. They kicked our ass by a lot. But I do want to see it. And yes, it would depend would... who. Yeah, it would depend who who they get, right? Because it's a mm. tricky time of year for a lot of track runners. So maybe yeah. you've got almost the B B teamers. Mm. Um, but I do, but yeah, I, do I, I like think it could be a cool addition to the Sunday program for that mixed yeah. relay. If you well, I like your thought, and I think leading off that, I mean, I know we don't have long left, but the I think that the the key thing there is the competition between us and the Australians in the mixed relay with our best squads, and I would love to see that at Worlds next year. Our squad this year at Worlds was awesome. Like I thought our mixed relay performed admirably, uh, but yeah. I do think there's room for us to improve that squad. I think that even the members we had on right now, they may not have been exactly where they wanted to be. I know that Annie, um, Anika, she had... Um, like Navy training or whatever, so wasn't able to run for ages. I think she performed super well considering all of that. But by her own standards, she was probably below where she wanted to be. Would it have been amazing to get Geordie in there? Absolutely. Yes. Why couldn't... Yeah. And so then we got to ask the questions is, how do we get those people? How do we convince Laura that... Uh, Lord Nagel, this is, that cross-country isn't a big, bad demon and she could actually do it if it's only 2K. Um, <laughs> like... And I think one of the biggest things, and this is the first time I'm airing this, well, technically it's the second time, but it's the first time I'm actually okay. telling people what I mean rather than them just reading the wrong thing. Do you remember a poster on Distance Running New Zealand a little bit before the champs about Athletics Australia having chemist warehouse emblems on their uh, uniform? Yes, yes. Having a yeah, so yeah. that got misconstrued, I think, and people were just confused what I was even talking about. And I didn't elaborate because I was off and traveling the next day and I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. But that was so much bigger than people understand or realize. The Chemist Warehouse sponsorship, which I thought would only be on their promotional attire, ended up being on their race jersey. They had a Chemist right. Warehouse emblem, which ordinarily is apparently not part of World Athletics rules. So we're not exactly sure how they got away with it. But when somebody manages to get away with it, you do not look a gift horse in the mouth and you clutch <laughs> on that. Biggest yeah. um, problem with people having a sec- an additional sponsor, like a naming brand sponsor type deal other than their gear one, is whether or not the gear sponsor, in this case for Australia, Puma, will allow it. Yeah. What's our sponsor now? Puma. Why would they not allow it for us? And the biggest thing here is I bet Athletics New Zealand has that opportunity. We could go out and we could get a a naming brand sponsor um, for our, not naming brand, obviously, but we could get a sponsor for our kit, even just for our travel kit. We could get get one tomorrow. It would not be difficult. And it would, would, I'm saying it would make it a, a third of the cost for our athletes to want to go to this championship. Uh, especially next year when it's back in Europe, which is a bigger expense. 
Um, but it's whether or not Athletics New Zealand are ready to swallow their pride and actually put that emblem or put a, an emblem on even just travel kit. Just pop it on travel kit and even on the bags, things like that. That will mean for people such as uh, our top talent like Geordie, like Sam, those people who Sam still had to pay his way for the majority um, yeah, yeah. of this totally. trip. Like, I mean, why if you're, if, if you're a professional athlete and this is your thing, and you have money to be made over running the American indoor season. Why would you come over here and do it? It's a long way to come. Yeah. It's a it's it's a it's a lot of travel. Sam thankfully did it, and but I can see 100% why Geordie didn't. We need to make those barriers as small as we possibly can to get the best guys and girls we possibly can. Absolutely. And do you think there could be standards? So this is officially a, a silver singlet event which means it's usually sort of self-funded um but i wonder if started yeah yeah, yeah, we won't we won't dig into that can of worms because i know you've got to get back from your lunch break but yeah i wonder if there was a standard where if you were i don't know a you know new zealand record ten thousand meter um holder um and Mm -hmm. current fitness you know mid mid 20 mid low 27s on the track Mm. for ten thousand, for example um Oh, lost you. No, I'm still here. I can hear you. Oh, Hayden, I'm still here. Are you there, Cam? Yeah, 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 I can I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. Hello, hello. Hello. I'm still here, I swear. No. I'm still here. Oh, all right, he's, he's still there. I'm, I'm um, still here. Yeah, yeah, I've been here the whole time. Cool. I was yeah. just trying to wave my hands. Sorry, continue. All right. Yes, so, you know, having different standards where if you hit this standard, you will fund you to be there because we think you should be there. Um, and if you, um, yeah, so basically having two two standards of A, you've qualified, B, we you're at the absolute pinnacle of the sport and you're a potential for top 16, top 20 kind of material. Um, do you think that that would be a sensible way of potentially doing it? Oh, I think that's a sensible um, way. Oh, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And add to that the the potential of, like you say, having a sponsor that can just bring those costs down for everyone. Yeah, I think it's got to be a multifactorial approach. First, first step is the broad sponsor to bring down the costs for everyone because the under twenties and stuff, they're the ones that you really want to reduce the costs for. To be completely honest with you, because they're the what they're the future of the mm. sport. You want to bring the cost down for them, but then it comes to the elite. And the concept that you're suggesting, that should be the concept across the board for all of our Olympic Games and our um, Commonwealth Games, our World Championships. It's what people were talking about a few years ago. If yeah. the, the whole uh, Money is the name of the game at the end of the day. The money is the name of the game, and sometimes those funds are tied up in things to do with the New Zealand Olympic Committee. And sometimes, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but... Like I feel that money has been the reason why people such as Zoe and Eddie didn't get to go to the Olympic Games, basically. When So why in those situations when someone clearly has the opportunity to be competitive, but you don't define them as a medal threat or a top 16 threat? If they're offering to fund themselves, which people will very gladly do in those types of situations... Why is that not an opportunity? Like, let's let's explore yeah. that, as you're saying. Um, obviously, we want to get the best there, and then people try to combat that with, oh, well, it's got to be equal across the board. 
but sometimes that's not how the world works. You sometimes have to say, right, like to get you there, we'll pay your way, but to then, but you can't do that then at the expense of saying no. There's no support and there's no opportunities to find support for everybody else. You got to try to find a way to draw in all of the talent and wherever that talent happens to be on the progression. Yeah, cool. Now, what's what's next for you? Uh, you're heading to nationals, but not not running this weekend. Um, yeah. So, what what can we expect from Cam Avery in 2023? Uh, hopefully, big things. Yeah, nationals. I was dying to run the 1500 uh, this this weekend. Um, Sam was is shaking in his boots when I did some strides with him over in uh, <laughs> uh, over in Aussie. Uh, I could just see him like sweating. Like, oh my god, Cam's gonna kick my ass in the 1500. And but then, lucky for him, I got a bit of a, uh, a chest infection uh, last week, so okay. that's why I've coughed a couple of times and it sounded like death. But um, no, no, no nationals. But I'll be there um, supporting. Might jump on the mic with you a couple of times potentially if uh, if people are unlucky. Um, and then the, moving forward from there, uh, I've got a I've got Peyton Jordan 10k on the cards um, at the in mid April awesome. over in California. So that's my my next big goal um, with the the major focus to be a transition towards the marathon officially. I know that you mentioned a few times mm. on some uh, on some calls last year that you thought I was running a marathon at the end of 2022. I wasn't, but I am planning to run a marathon at the end of 2023 with the olympic qualification well in the uh in the targets the crosshairs so yes everything is building to that 10k is uh up first i need a good 10k to get myself kind of into the right marathon that i want in the right kind of shape and then moving on from there hopefully uh paris in the next couple of years if, if all things go according to plan amazing love it uh, well, we'll be following that progress closely. And thanks again for, for joining the show. We'll, we'll catch you in Wellington at Nationals. See you there, mate.